My name is Jeremy Devins, and this is the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast, Episode 60, Create Your Daily Routine with Ayurveda, or otherwise known as your Dhinacharya, your daily routine. So today's episode was actually inspired by the Quiet Mind Yoga teacher, Sachi Wolf, who's an amazing teacher. If you haven't checked her out yet, you can go to her classes on the Quiet Mind Yoga membership. But she recently had her first child, and it's a big life change, of course, and one that I have not personally experienced, but worked with a lot of people who have recently had children and mothers throughout the years and postnatal yoga. And it's a big life change, of course, and it disrupts everything. So you've got to really kind of find your ground again and recenter. And that's kind of the phase that she mentioned she was going through. And it's something I've gone through a lot. I've had a lot of massive life changes in my life, moved a ton of times. I'm 35 right now. I've probably moved 33 times in my life. It's just constant change in my life. So finding a center and a groundedness and a routine in my life has been essential for me and really important. And I had a high vata dosha, if you know what that means. So I really needed to ground out. So in today's episode, I'm going to talk about how to create a daily routine using these principles of Ayurveda, regardless of your dosha. And I have a free guide for today's episode, which you can get right now at quietmind.yoga slash Ayurvedic routine. It's a free PDF guide I'm going to kind of walk through today. And there's space for you to create your own routine. There's a page you can print out and just have on your fridge or available with suggestions of different routine ideas. Because I think it's important to be able to adapt and change because life is always changing. We're going through different seasons. We're going through different astrological transits that I talk about on the Quiet Mind Astrology podcast. And we just went through the eclipse right now when I recorded this. So big changes are always happening and there's always going to be shifts. And if you're the kind of person who's just had one daily routine for 10, 15 years now, that's awesome, but that's not going to be everyone's situation. And if you like to have a little variety and some suggestions and ideas of how to improve your routine, there's some good stuff in here and things that are really effective and things that I've done very consistently over the years. Again, I've had a lot of changes, but there are some things that I come back to way more than others that I'll share about today. So you get that free guide at quietmind.yoga slash Ayurvedic routine, and you can follow along and have that reference. So what does Ayurveda mean? If you're not familiar with Ayurveda, it's the wisdom of life extension, or the science of life, Ayur and Veda. So of course, the Vedas are the source texts of all yoga teachings, going back at least to around 1750s BCE. Some people would argue back 5000 BCE or further, but that's what the most commonly agreed upon time is. So this stuff is at least 3000 years old in the Vedas. Veda means wisdom, it's actually where we get our word video. So Veda, Videya, Video, uh, Avidya is the sort of uh, ignorance that we all work to uncloud our ignorance, our Avidya, and have Vidya, which is sort of knowing and knowledge. And video is a form of seeing something that has been recorded, and it's exactly as it was recorded. So it has this sort of way of showing us what is there. So Ayurveda is we want to see the truth of the wisdom of ourselves, the wisdom of our lives. And what's really cool about this whole approach of Ayurveda is that it just stands the test of time. And everything can be broken down into the elements and understanding the gunas and the doshas, which I'm not going to go into today. I go into that way more inside of the yoga teacher training, uh, and I will go into future episodes. But the main thing we want to know today 
is that everything is in energies and we're working with different energies. So like increases like and opposites bring balance. So if you tend to be somebody who is has a lot of change in your life, like I've had throughout my life, creating some sort of routine helps bring balance into my life. It helps me feel more grounded and centered. So if you're somebody who just recently went through a big change, like having a baby, which is constant disruption for the first few years, having some sort of anchor or routine can bring balance. And a like increases like, so if we create more chaos and disruption and more complications on top of already being in a dysregulated, disrupted lifestyle and state, we're gonna have more of those issues, more anxiety, more overwhelm, more worry, more ungroundedness, which I can attest, it's not pleasant, right? And I've gone through that throughout my life many times. So I found that having more grounding foods, more grounding routines, and doing certain things regularly helps balance that out. And understanding the cycles of nature and the seasons. So there's times in the, throughout the year that are more appropriate for different activities. The summertime, of course, it's more hot outside. So doing things that help balance that out, opposites bring balance, like eating cooling foods, like what's the number one summer food that everyone thinks of? If you could think of that, of course, it's probably maybe watermelon is what I usually think of. Watermelon in the summertime, cucumbers, cucumber water, right? That sort of refreshing, crisp, cooling feeling is just perfect for the hot, humid dryness that can happen in the summer. So in everything, we're looking at our dosha, our, ourselves, our sort of own tendencies and how to balance that out. We're looking at the season and how that might be creating imbalances. We're looking at the time of life that we're going through, like you just had a child or you just moved or some sort of big life change. That's going to change where you're at. If you've been in one place for five years and everything's steady, maybe you want a little more variety and change. So how you decide what to do and what morning routines or daily routines you choose to take on, it's going to depend on all of those factors. And I'll go into that more depth in this upcoming workshop that I'm hosting. You can check out quietmind.yoga. For anybody who's a member, it's a free workshop on June 20th, where I'll be going into how to apply this to your unique time of life, your dosha, and also your vikriti. So that's your current state that you're in right now. It's important to be aware of that as well. Now, regardless of all that stuff, there are certain things that generally work for everybody really well. And that's what I've got on this list. If you checked out that free download, you can check out this list. So there's morning suggestions, daily suggestions, and evening suggestions. So I'm going to look at what those are. And this idea of what a dinacharya is, is part of this daily routine. So dina or dine means daily, and acharya means to walk with or to be a student of. And usually we know of this from Brahmacharya or the teacher Krishnamacharya. So Acharya means to walk with, to be a student of, to study, to learn from, to have this sort of devotion and faith on this path. And in this case, it's your daily expression of that walking with faith on your path. So Dhinacharya. Now, this is something that ideally you would do every day consistently and maybe adapt a little bit through the seasons, through your dosha, and maybe not do the exact same thing every day because that could create imbalances too. So we're always adapting this, but we have a general outline we can work with. So some things to do in the morning time that are generally gonna work well for everybody are of course yoga and meditation. So somewhere in your morning routine, having some sort of yoga practice, 
to sort of work out the cobwebs and move your body. So if you've been you know, sleeping throughout the night, you're generally sedentary, of course, in one position. And ideally, you wake up feeling good or even better than when you went to sleep. If you wake up with some sort of neck pain or back pain, then you know that your sleep posture is probably not optimal. And I will have to do another episode in the future just on that, if sleeping posture is so important. Uh, but you want to know, you want to wake up feeling at least as good or better than when you went to sleep. And then you want to move your body in some way. And where exactly you do this is going to be dependent on your choice and what feels right for your routine. But some point in the morning, doing some sort of movement is definitely going to help move the muscles, warm up your body, get rid of some tensions, and help you feel a little more open and receptive to the day. Just think of how you move through your day if you're feeling sort of tense and sort of bound up and you haven't stretched in a while versus if you did even just five minutes of yoga asana to move your body, ideally 10, 15 minutes, where you kind of work out all the kinks and everything feels open and you know that's just sort of good feeling you get after yoga practice. So starting your day from that perspective is awesome compared to the opposite of starting from tension. And then some sort of meditation is great because that's going to sort of quiet the mind and calm the mind going into the day. And I often think of this like brushing the teeth, right? So we need to brush our teeth very regularly, at least ideally every day. And if we don't, we start to get this gunk building up on our teeth and plaque and then cavities where the teeth are decaying, right? Of course. So we want to be aware of the mind in the same way. And meditation can actually even prevent, it's been shown in recent studies, to prevent degenerative brain diseases like Alzheimer's. So there is a level of actual sort of gunk building up in the brain, you could say, as a metaphor, like the teeth, and then eventually some sort of decay happening in our cognition and our function, similar to the teeth, right? So that's a sort of stark metaphor that really motivates me to, to know I want to sort of clean my brain and my thinking and my mind. And I like different practices throughout the years. Maybe you do a mantra, maybe you do pranayama, maybe you just sit in stillness, maybe use guided meditation. It doesn't matter exactly what the form is as long as it feels like it's beneficial to you and something you can do regularly. So of course, some sort of yoga and meditation in the morning time. Now you might have a little one running around and you start doing yoga and then two minutes in, they need your attention. That's okay. I mean, that's just part of the phase of life and part of the sort of sacrifice that you make as a parent and it's so generous and selfless that parents make. Or whatever the phase of life you're in, maybe you don't have that time just to yourself. Uh, but you can do it even intermittently where you two minutes of yoga, then you tend to the child or do the thing you have to do and you come back and get a couple more minutes in. I find setting timers very helpful for these sort of things. All right, so those are big ones. And then the other really big one that I think is essential is tongue scraping. And it's usually maybe one out of five people I talk to who are familiar with this kind of stuff actually do or know about tongue scraping. So it's not as common as, I'm kind of surprised it's not more common because this sort of gunk and film builds up on your tongue overnight. And from the Ayurvedic perspective, that's your liver detoxing as you sleep. And the more thick and uh, white this film is on your tongue, the more you've detoxified is the perspective of Ayurveda. And ideally over time, this 
when you do this tongue scraping every day and you keep your diet clean and your water, good hydration and your exercise and all of that, then there's less toxins, less ama, sort of toxins built up on your tongue. So that film becomes clearer and thinner and lighter. And it's more like a sort of saliva you're just scraping off in the morning. But we are going to be detoxifying every day. Even if you're perfect in your diet and exercise, we're just constantly exposed to chemicals just by stepping outside from exhaust fumes and whatever else is in our environment. So we want to make sure we're doing that tongue scraping daily. And that's one that despite everything else, it's like that's every day before I brush my teeth, scrape the tongue. So that's usually the first thing I'll do in the morning is I'll wake up, do the tongue scraping, and then I kind of see where my health is at. If that's really thick, white, mucusy kind of stuff on the tongue, I know that I need to kind of chill out, take care of my immune system, maybe do some extra restorative yoga, uh, not push myself as much, and adjust my diet if I've been eating a little bit off my diet and more processed foods, right? I can see it. So it's like a very honest measure of health. And ideally, it's coming out more clear over time. Then, then I, so I scrape my tongue, brush my teeth, and drink water. So that's another really big morning routine to consider is drinking water because you want to stay hydrated. And throughout the night, of course, we have about seven to eight hours where we're not hydrated at all. So we can become dehydrated. So that's for sure in the morning. Those three things are essential. Now, there are a lot of other things to consider, and I have some those listed on the free PDF, and I'll be going into those more on the workshop. So if you're curious about learning more about Ayurvedic routines and morning routines, I'll have more on the workshop. But generally, it's find what works for you. Maybe you know that you thrive by cleaning in the morning before you do anything else. And that's okay, right? That that can be a, a form of uh, seva to your family or bhakti, your devotion, devotional spiritual practice. Or it could just be something that you need to sort of clear your mind in the morning. Or maybe you want to get up and just start working. And that's just where you're at in your phase of life. You're in the pitta time of life between 20 and 60, your high pitta energy, and it's balanced out, right? And you just got that energy to run. That's great. So you always want to listen to what is true for you. Just because somebody else says you should do it a certain way doesn't mean it's necessarily right for you. But the one exception I would say is tongue scraping. That's like brushing your teeth. That's like drinking water, like sleeping, like breathing oxygen. Right? I think that is essential. It's like going to the bathroom. Like we need to clearing that stuff out of the tongue. So I would highly recommend that. And then adapting to what's right for you and Check out those recommendations and the notes and then check out the free workshop I'll be doing next week. And if you miss this and it's later, you can still get the free recording inside of the yoga memberships. It's free for members. And if you're not a member, you can join for the free trial and just cancel if you want. All right. So now there's daily routines, things to consider throughout the day. Uh, well, the big one here is just eating when you're hungry. So that's the Ayurvedic approach to diet is if you're not hungry, it's not time to eat. And if you're in a situation where you have to eat on a schedule, like it's just you get your lunch break at work at this time and that's it. Or you're with your family and we're going out to eat and this is the time to eat, but I'm not hungry. That's okay. I mean, that happens sometimes, but ideally you're eating when you're hungry and listening to your body and responding to it. But if you need to eat when you are on a schedule, you can do something like having a little cayenne or ginger 
or something with a little spice to it to kickstart your agni, your digestive fire, so that you can better digest that food. But basically, if you're not hungry, your body is not ready to digest the food. It will create bloating, indigestion, gas, irritability, uh, maybe tiredness, fogginess, and more difficulty in your day. So it just kind of slows your whole day down because your body's just not ready for that. And it just slows down your thinking and everything else. So uh, that's one of the biggest things throughout the daily routines. And again, I've got several recommendations on the free PDF, but eating only when you feel the call of hunger. It's really important for applying this stuff. And then in the evening, the evening routine, this again, so something that works for you, uh, but of course, you're probably going to want to brush your teeth and you're probably going to want to wind down in the day. And uh, maybe you do something like a salt bath. Maybe you do some restorative yoga. Maybe you do some sort of pranayama. Now, if you can only do one thing before bed, I would probably recommend a digital sunset of some sort. So some sort of turning the screens off when the sun goes down or around that time, around an hour before bed. So that is going to naturally going to get you to bed around the pitta time. So there's actually times of day for each dosha, which again is a whole other topic. Uh, but if you get to sleep before 10 p.m., the Ayurvedic literature and approach says that your liver restores and regenerates itself, but only between 10 and 12 when you're asleep. If you don't, if you're not asleep between 10 and 12 p.m., then you're not going to get that uh, sort of restoration of the liver. Your whole immune system is then compromised and you're sort of set back essentially, which I know is difficult when we can have screens on all day every day and live in climate-controlled environments. Like we can be totally out of touch with nature but regardless of where you are in the world, regardless of your time zone, there is that sun going down that happens somewhere around 6 to 10 or so, depending on where you live in the world. So the sun sets, and that is, if we were living in nature more naturally even 100 years ago, that's the cue to wind down, right? You might turn on some candles, but still, it's like the energy is sort of dropping. And ideally... We can get to sleep around that time of 10 p.m. If you work shifts, like I've I've worked in the past, I, I started work at 9 p.m. and go to bed at 6 a.m., right? I've had that in the past, and that was when I was my most depressed and had a lot of my most mental challenges and just really low energy and low mood. So that that is just a, a part of life that you might be in that phase of life. And that's okay. And then this wouldn't really apply to you, but still you'd want to have some sort of wind down routine. And if you could black out your sunlight, if you're going to bed at 6 a.m. because of your job, uh, to have at least a, a blackout uh, environment. Because what that does is it stimulates the pineal gland, which secretes melatonin. And the pineal gland is essentially telling us like, okay, it's there's sunlight out, it's daytime, stay awake. Let's have some energy going. And then the sun, the light goes down and it's essentially saying, okay, the sun is down. It's time to wind down for the day and get some rest. But if we don't have that cue from the sunlight going down, the melatonin isn't secreted. And this is why people start to become dependent on melatonin drugs to get this external synthetic melatonin, which only further actually suppresses the natural internal mel mel melatonin, unfortunately. So the best way is to regulate that is just with exposure to light. So when the sun is up, 
lights are on. When the sun is down, lights are off. And if you do need to have lights on, it could be red lights or uh, use your filter on your phone or computers that takes out the blue light. So there's the night shift mode on Apple devices. So that takes out the blue light. And that is the light that's essentially telling the brain it's, it's daytime. But still, even any artificial light, any light can have the effect of suppressing melatonin. There's been interesting studies on that. So the more you can black out your room to sleep, the better. Even if you have just like a alarm clock on and there's some little blue light in the corner or any color light, that has an effect of slightly suppressing the melatonin. So we want to have as much darkness after sundown as possible. And this is what Ayurveda actually has recommended for thousands of years. And modern sleep studies have validated that, even though the, this, these studies I'm talking about have nothing to do with Ayurveda. But that's just the way that the body is designed to optimally function, which always blows my mind. Just Ayurveda just knew so much and it's been so on the nose about so many things about the body. So that's the biggest one. If you just do one thing for the evening, it's having that wind down time when the sun goes down and the lights off, ideally when the sun goes down or shortly after, which I know is difficult in our modern lifestyles, but uh, your sleep will improve greatly and it'll be a lot easier to wake up early in the morning because uh, optimally from Ayurvedic perspective, waking up at around 5.30 a.m., before, well before sunrise, uh, so around 5.30 a.m. is the vata time, which is considered a very spiritual time of the day. One of the, probably the most actually, it is the most spiritual time of the day from an Ayurvedic perspective. So around 4 to 5 a.m. or so, which you might think is insane, which I certainly would have when I was working night shifts. But I find, you know, at a time... <laughs> I had a, a period of a few years where I was waking up at 4.30 a.m. every day to do a two-and-a-half-hour yoga practice, yoga and meditation and mantra. And yes, it's difficult, but once you're up after the first few minutes and you have that motivation to practice, and I was fortunate to be in community of people doing that, so it made it a lot easier. So if you have someone who can support you in your morning practice or some sort of accountability, that helps a lot. Uh, but if you're having... If you have kids and you're just waking up whenever they want you to wake up, and that's part of the deal, uh, and of course it's the most selfless spiritual practice you can do. And so if you if you have a child like that is number one, all this stuff is going to be number two to that until they're, you know, a little more grown. But as best you can, creating your routine with these things in mind, and having some sort of wind down at the end of the day that feels in alignment for you, which could be. Again, yoga, meditation, salt baths, candles, uh, some sort of entertainment and playtime is great. Family time is great. I mean, that's 6 to 10 p.m. is the kapha time. It's the time to sort of wind down and be a little slower and quieter and, and not as uh, active. But those of you who loved going out at night and, you know, that pizza time kicks in at 10 p.m., that's usually like when everyone's out at the clubs and partying. And if that's your lifestyle, then great. It's a little bit at odds with the yogic lifestyle. And uh, it is at odds with the yogic lifestyle. Uh, but that is part of the modern yoga approach. And you can you can do that. You can have yoga practice throughout the day. You can party at night if you want. Uh, it's not my, st my preferred style, but ideally there's some sort of wind down. Even if you're doing that, you get home at 1, 2 a.m., you're still going to need some sort of wind down. And we all have these routines uh, some of them are just not conscious or intentional, and we don't necessarily think about it. 
So the invitation here is just to be a little more intentional about what routines you want to create, what's in alignment for you, and this guide can help you. Again, you can check out quietmind.yoga slash Ayurvedic routine to get the free guide and join us for the free workshop. Normally these are, the last time I did this, I think it was 27 or 37 that I charged to attend the workshop in person. Now it's free and you can just do the trial membership and cancel if you want or keep the membership. It's $27 a month. There's 300 plus on-demand classes and this workshop included for the members. So quietmind.yoga is where you can join the workshop. Once you sign in, you there's a link there to, to RSVP for the workshop. It's June 20th at 10.30 a.m. Central Standard Time for an hour on Zoom, and the recording will be up shortly after if you can't join us live. So thank you for listening, and I look forward to sharing more with you soon. I'll have some fun announcements on the next episode that you'll want to check out, and hope you have a great rest of your week, and uh, thanks for listening to the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast.